Hi, I'm Nigel Baker, and you're listening to The Future Financial Advisor. We're running this podcast to create an avenue for advisors to share their thoughts and their their best interests and really trying to attract those advisors who want to take the industry forward. What we want is great businesses are really making a difference and really making a big impact to their clients, and we want to know how they're doing it. So in this series, we're going to be discussing the latest digital platforms, some best practices, evidence-based investing strategies. We want to give financial advisors the tools they need to help more investors improve their financial well-being. So if you're ready to take the industry forward, modernize your advisory practice and reach a new generation of investors and the new generation of advisors, then this show is for you. Now today we're going to talk about fixed income. It's often probably a fairly, maybe boring, maybe uh, an asset class that isn't as well understood by advisors and investors perhaps. And I've come across many advisors over the years who who don't even use fixed income. They just use cash and turn deposits. And again, we're not here on this podcast to make judgment calls or anything like that or say someone's right or wrong. We're just here to learn. So today I've um, I've actually reached out to a, a big group in the US called Index Fund Advisors and uh, reading a little bit of their research. Um, they're, they're a huge group in the States. Um, it's a group I've followed for a long time. Uh, very interesting uh, founder, but I'm not going to go too much into their business, but I am uh, leaning on one of their articles that they've, they've released about fixed income, um, but it holds true to a, uh, a way we've used it in my practice for 20 years and many advisors I speak to. So the purpose of today's chat is to, we'll throw some ideas out there, but we'd love to get your feedback on how how you explain this to clients and how you use it in an environment right now where perhaps interest rates are going up and should you be in fixed income or in fixed interest or not. But if you don't have clients in fixed income, then then what do you do? So I'm particularly probably talking about clients who are are more retired or close to retired and do need some defensive assets. If you're a younger client or focus on younger clients, then perhaps it's not such a big issue. You're happy for clients to be more weighted towards growth assets and property and shares. But I've uh, looked after a lot of retirees over the years and still do. And we we have to bear in mind that from an asset allocation point of view, you can't have all your money in shares and, and, and property. And in the last couple of years, that's been slightly challenging. But just from a risk point of view, there's no way we can have 80%, 90%, 100% in stocks. Yes, if you don't look at the markets, that's okay, but there's just that downside risk. So I'm going to go through a few things, just three key topics of one, let's look at really what your philosophy is. If if you're talking about chopping and changing fixed income, then do you do that for shares as well? What does the evidence point to in terms of, well, where should we be positioned? And really just a few key guides to help perhaps explain this to to your clients if, if it's a Things it's coming up for in my business a lot, um, so perhaps it's coming up in your business, particularly for your more retired type clients. So one of the first thing I wanted to look at is well, what, what's your philosophies? Because if you if your philosophy is asset class based and you're not forecasting uh, or you know making big calls on stocks, you're not a stock picker. And our view is that that doesn't add a lot of value. Again, the purpose of this podcast isn't to say that's right or wrong. We just see it as something that creates great certainty and consistency for clients by using an evidence based philosophy. Um, and that means we can have hold it, you know, a hand on our heart and never have to say sorry to clients and make sure that they're maximizing their returns and reducing some risk that we can reduce, which is some of that sort of fund manager risk and, and some of that, you know, people getting it wrong. And, and also we can make sure we're keeping our costs low. But, you know, that's for another podcast. But in terms of fixed income, how does that come into play? So if you're if you're using an asset class approach, then you're probably saying, okay, well, I don't, I don't forecast for shares and I don't forecast in other asset classes. So why should I start using a forecasting approach in bonds? So therefore, if you're thinking about 
the bond market right now, then you've got to take a similar approach to as you would in equities and, and stocks. You've got to be diversified, keep your costs low and, and look at the perhaps the factors or the dimensions or the sectors of the market that do add return. So if that philosophy is in line, then you're probably not going to be thinking about chopping and changing too much, but you're, you're looking at that right allocation for a client. Should that be 30%, 20%, 10%, whatever's right for that client? And therefore, then how do you implement that? And do you implement that fixed income strategy by having one or two securities or having using widely held ETFs or funds, or do you try and use active managers? So then we look at the research, and I, I like looking at the SPIVA, the SPIVA um, research. It's great. It's it's re- it's released all the time, and it just shows the outperformance or, or lack of outperformance of, of I suppose uh, active bond funds versus the more you know passive or index style funds. So you look at that for over 15 years, the percentage of funds that outperform their respective uh, benchmarks. Um, it's, it's very low in, in, in you know, it's, it's maybe the best best asset classes in long funds, the active have outperformed 35%, but then it goes down pretty quickly. In government bonds, it's 20%. In short funds, it's only 5%. High yield funds, only 10%. So very, very, really the, the chances are pretty low. And then if you look at some of the more of the evidence over time than those, the survivorship, et cetera. So again, some people might listen to this going, they love active, that's cool, but we're just looking at some of the real data there. So we're going to implement that. We're going to look at the, how we implement that. And we're going to look at the plan for that client. And do you use a, you know, an investment policy statement? Do you have a, a documented strategy for each client or not? Or do you just pick and choose? And you know, we, we strongly believe that all clients should have a really well-documented investment plan and use that evidence and, and help explain to clients why you're building those asset class solutions so that there's no chopping and changing just because one, one article in the paper says you should. You've got a really strong fundamental guide as to why you've set up that asset allocation. doesn't mean it doesn't change, but it just means that you've got a, a fundamental basis of why you're making decisions. Because then when we look at the expected long-term returns, you know, we know that stocks and equity have a higher longer-term return than, than cash and bonds. And we also know that will hedge against inflation. And we're talking about inflation now and, and inflation numbers in the US particularly are really high and starting to come through here. Then you want to have money invested in, in stocks and, and property because that's going to give you a hedge to inflation, absolutely. So then we have that dis- discussion between should I be in bonds or cash? Because a lot of people say, oh, well, bonds are going to go down. I'm just going to be in cash. But we know that cash rates are really low. We also know that the return from cash is always negative after inflation. And so you really only want cash for that short-term liquidity. So it only really leaves us, if you've got a client who needs 30 or 40% of their asset allocation in defensive assets, it really only leaves us bonds. You really can't have 40% in cash. I mean, the, the days of the 5%, 6% turn deposits are gone. You really then need to make sure you're dampening volatility, giving some protection to that downside for those clients, because we all don't know what's around the corner. This year could be a minus 40 year. We just don't know. And none of us can say with absolute certainty that it's not going to be a minus 40 year. You know, the things can happen. So you have to give those clients, particularly those older clients, some some protection. So you have to give them that safety and you have to then look at, well, where do the returns come from? You look at the term premium, we look at the credit premium, and then we will look at the right allocation for those clients. So so maybe, you know, an 80-year client shouldn't be in 20-year bonds, but maybe a 60-year client should be or some, some allocation to 20-year bonds. And really what we've got to fa- focus on is on what you can control as an advisor, as an investor. Have you got a clearly documented strategy? What's your philosophy? Are you asset class investing or are you stock picking? Are your fixed income holdings therefore the right kind that align with that philosophy and they line up with your goals? Are you keeping an eye on the cost? Cost do matter, particularly in fixed interest. You know, are the solutions you're using the right ones? Are they going to be around? Are you using investment managers that have been there and done that and survived 
GFCs and 1987 crashes and COVID, or are they just some startup little fund? You know, I, I don't want to sit there in front of a client and have to say sorry. So I don't want to use some, you know, a, a brand new fund manager who's, yeah, they might have some great ideas, but in two years' time, they just might not be around. We've got a huge responsibility when we're managing people's money. You've got to, you've got to really think about where's this money going to be in 10, 20 years' time, not, not am I going to outperform in the next year. Yes, we want to maximise returns, but we're not going to do it and take unnecessary risk that has no data to, to support it. So it's a delicate balance. And, um, and for, for an investor, they've got to hope that you've been doing a lot of research into this and you really understand it. And as advisors, do we really understand fixed interest well enough? Uh, to, uh, and and I, that's what I'm interested to hear. Like how do people implement fixed interest? Uh, I've had some debates over the years with big investment committees who, you know, back in the day, this was 15 years ago, wouldn't, didn't even have bonds on, on the, on the uh, investment committee. On the, on the approved list back in the day, which was quite ridiculous. Uh, it's a fairly significant asset class. And there's people now saying, oh, well, I wouldn't be in bonds. Or, 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 where, where, well, therefore, if they're not in bonds, where are they? They're just putting all the money in cash. Are they, are they putting it all in stocks? I mean, I'm interested. I'm just interested to see what, what people are doing. So I hope that's been helpful. It's opened up a discussion. Um, it's really topical right now. And I uh, look forward to hearing your feedback. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Future Financial Advisor. So if you've been enjoying the show, please make sure to share it with your network and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. Or if you've got some ideas or thoughts or would like to come on as a guest or know someone who would be a great guest, then please let me know. To learn more about CNTM, just go to our website, cntm.com.au or look me up on LinkedIn. Look forward to speaking with you and see you on the next episode.